1: Kyle Krabs here host of locked on NFL scouting join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position by position analysis of the upcoming NFL draft check out the locked on NFL scouting podcast with the draft dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts do we need to see more from the 2023 draft class of the Dallas Cowboys all that and more in this episode of the On Cowboys podcast
2: you are Locked On Cowboys, your Locked daily Dallas Cowboys on. Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Locked Network. Your on. team every Locked day.
1: Locked on, Locked. Locked. Locked, on. Locked,
0: on
1: Locked On. Cowboys. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Joining me today, as always, is Lena McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. We are answering your Twitter questions today, and we've got some really good ones about Mike McCarthy's play calling, the down roster defensive ends who maybe need to start playing a little bit better. But I got a, a really good one from Maxwell. He wants to know, is this the least impactful draft class that the Cowboys have had in recent years? I, I
0: mean, I think that it's the, the the title of of the segment is, is, is the best, is the best answer here. We need more. We need to see more. We need to. We need them to do more. Um, I, I think it. It. It might be the answer. Might be yes. Uh, but I think it's also not shocking that it's yes, right? Like we we drafted two players that uh, play positions that are notoriously needing development, and you drafted you know all of these players onto a roster of a very you know talented you know roster of players. So even some of the down roster folks who you know, in previous draft classes may have made more of an impact, have a, a more difficult uh, climb to kind of make an impact. So, I mean, I think the answer is yes, but I, I mean, I can't, we shouldn't be shocked by this. Like th- that was the, uh, you know, that was kind of what we, what we bargained for when we drafted these guys. And, and I do think that, you know, the thing that's easy to kind of, of, you know, to look at and, and, to, and to point to is is all the previous draft classes the Cowboys have had and all the success they've That's had. The, and, yeah, you know, it's like they're victims of their own success to a large degree. But at the same time, you know, they've avoided spending high draft picks on specifically defensive tackle and a little bit of deep tight <laughs> end as well. So it's like at a, at some point they were going to have to dip their toe into these. Uh, uh positions in which you, you don't necessarily get you know immediate excellent returns uh and and i think
1: that that's what they're kind of going through yeah so defensive tackle the last defensive tackle they take took in the first round was so russell maryland i mean people
0: are saying people have said tyron Crawford as well but well, obviously it was first first round pick I, I, yeah i mean i, I think You know, Russell Maryland. I mean, you know, we could talk about whether or not some people would say Marcus Spears was technically a defensive end, but uh, and I, you know, I think he probably was a D tackle. But either way, I don't think that that even Spears was, you know, the kind of player that that they're trying to draft. There, that's a different type of position. So I would say that, yeah, that the really Russell Maryland is probably the the last player at that same similar position that Mahzie
1: and if you go to like the tight end position they've drafted two tight ends inside the top 100 in the last 12 years and that was Luke goonmaker this year and then it was um Gavin Escobar in 2013 they just they have not drafted that position very high no and if you look across the league like all these tight ends for the most part outside of the guy that we're going to be facing this week with Detroit Sam Laporta most of these guys take a long time to to no. develop so I, that part of it's not surprising but i think i think you hit on it like the Cowboys have been really spoiled that not only have they had great draft classes, but they've had guys that have come in and played great football right away Whether It's Tyler Smith last year. Michael Parsons was an all pro player. His first year in the NFL, CD lamb, Trayvon Diggs, and Tyler Biotis were all starters right away for Dallas. Um, 2018 Vander Esch was a pro bowl at player as a rookie. Michael Gallup had a really nice season. Uh, 2016 you had Zeke, you had Dak Prescott, Anthony Brown, uh, Byron Jones, DeMarcus Marcus Lawrence, Zach Martin, uh, Tyron. I mean, we could go on and on. Like right? the Cowboys on have just on. had this insane run of drafting really good players that had really good starts to their career. Uh, now, if you're asking me, is this the least impactful draft class? I would say the 2019 one is close, Landon, because mm. that's the one the Cowboys yeah. took. Get this, a defensive tackle with their first pick, Tristan Hill. They drafted Connor McGovern, who I don't think played – at all as a rookie this I... rookie
0: year he didn't know
1: yeah tony pollard got like 90 touches uh as a mm-hmm. fourth round pick and then it was mike jackson still in the league playing for seattle joe jackson donovan wilson who did not play much as a rookie mike weber and jalen Jelks. now maybe it's a bad thing to compare the cowboys to that 2019 draft class but we have seen these kind of classes before
0: yeah and and again i, I think uh, uh, like, look, I mean, if if you want to compare Tristan Hill to where Mozzie Smith is, we could certainly do that. I mean, I would say that Mozzie is light years ahead of where sure. Tristan Hill was. So, you know, I, I just think that there's a little bit of impatience here on this. I mean, first of all, like I, I understand that the necessary, you know, pushing now is because you're you're you've had some run defensive issues. You would like to see Mozzie become a dominant player there. But he's also been one of your best defensive tackles against the run. I mean, it, it hasn't been great overall, but he has been, yeah. been one of the better ones you've got. Um, I just think that, you know, these are guys that that need just a little bit more time to kind of, you know, especially, you know, for guys like Mozzie in the run game, like there's just so much yeah. new that he's seeing that he hasn't seen before. So it's just about kind of his head still swimming. So I think these guys, you know, we start talking about whether or not this is a solid class, you know, at the end of next year uh, and and see it where the development is. And and that's kind of an idea of whether or not they
1: were worth their draft, their draft spot. In a lot of ways that 2019 class is a good example of why you should be patient. So even without a first round pick, in what was historically a really weak draft, like go look yeah. at the first round of that 2019 draft. It's not just for the Cowboys,
0: but for yeah. the NFL overall. Yeah.
1: You still ended up getting Tony Pollard in the fourth round, who developed into the one of the best running backs in the league before his injury. Connor McGovern ended up becoming a three-year starter for the Cowboys, got a decent contract from the Bills. Donovan Wilson ended up being one of your best safeties. He got a nice contract from the Cowboys. Michael Jackson. Uh, Somebody who didn't make the Cowboys, but ended up becoming a starting cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks. So the Cowboys really got nothing from that class in year one. But by year two and year three, you had four NFL caliber players without having a first round pick. So just wait a little bit. Let's see how some of these other guys develop. What Scooney looks like in, in year two. Uh, what Overshawn looks like. Overshaw looks like in year two coming back yeah. from the injury. Let's yeah. see what Deuce Vaughn and Fahoku and Jalen Brooks look like. I, I'm still somewhat optimistic about this class.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, like we shouldn't be writing off draft classes and when you're especially again no. on a very talented roster where these guys have not gotten a lot of opportunity. These especially these down roster guys have not gotten a lot of opportunity.
1: And by the way, I, I know I'm kind of joking here, but don't forget that the Cowboys might have the offensive rookie of the year from this class and Brennan Aubrey, yeah. who still has yeah. not missed a field goal. Now, he's not going to win it, but no. he should get some votes. If he goes all year without missing a kick, pretty incredible. It, yeah. That is part of the draft class. We see teams every year spend third, with the Eagles spend – or sorry, the 49ers spend a third-round pick on a kicker. New England spent a fourth-round pick on a kicker. And the Cowboys have – I mean the best kicker in the nfl right now i don't know you can deny it and they have two other
0: guys that are on injured reserve that are undrafted free agents that are, are really talented young players and david uh dresden right and and yep. uh john stevens jr uh, who both you know were very you know solid playmaking guys all throughout training camp who unfortunately got injured so those are two more talented guys yep. that you you're expected to see next year so yeah, I think it's just a little bit early to kind of write off this class uh, and, and, you know, think that it's it's not going to give its worth. It's, now, there's still plenty of time.
1: If Mozzie and Scooney and those guys just don't do anything by the end of the year two, that's when I start to get concerned. Yeah, we can have My, a conversation
0: then. I'm not yeah. there
1: yet. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about Mike McCarthy and his play calling in Miami in week 16. We will get to that next. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fastest and the easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total upfront so you know you're getting a great deal without any hidden fees. Buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LockdownNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem promo code LockdownNFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. We wanted to let you know that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day. With the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, Lane, let's get to some more questions. We had several about Mike McCarthy and his play calling. A couple of people wanted to know what was the reasoning behind the second and third, uh, sorry, second and 13 QB sneak, some of the early down runs. What were your thoughts on McCarthy here in this game?
0: I still haven't gotten an answer on the on the, on the the you know QB sneak situation. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. I think ultimately they were just trying to get some yardage, but, I mean, it, it seemed just... It almost seems like a broken play to me, to be honest. Um, I I do think that the narrative of kind of conservative play calling by McCarthy on the road is something that has legitimacy to it. Uh, I, I kind of felt like he was working against it though uh, in half the game, you know, it felt like there were times when they were being aggressive when they needed to be. uh, And then a couple of things happened. One, they they had a couple we talked about this already a couple of different drives that got backed up on their own end zone and I think that specifically is where you saw Mike really kind of uh, uh, you know rein in the offense a little bit just to kind of keep things tight I I also think that it, it felt like there was it felt like the offense was almost kind of flirting with disaster execution wise at yeah. that point yeah. like 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 they there was some some false starts like some balls that kind of went where they weren't supposed to be going. And I and I do think that that kind of made Mike a little bit, you know, hesitant to like, hey, let's you know, let's let's attack down the field while we've got you know a kind of shaky pass protection and and uh, you know, there's Dak seeing a little bit of ghosts going. So I, I think the idea was to try to protect Dak a little bit, but ultimately, I, I think the Cowboys have got to stop erring on that side of of the issue, right? Because. Just, the truth of the matter is, is that you know he could have thrown an interception there. They could have had a strip sack or a fumble sure. or, or that. That absolutely could have happened. But you know, the offense kind of losing steam and being anemic is to me more dangerous, right? Like because even at times when the Cowboys were turnover prone last year, there was there was moments where you felt like well, they were they were more than turnover prone last year. They were they were turning the ball over pretty regularly. But it felt like that was pretty consistently being covered up by the Cowboys' ability to be explosive and to to reach down the field and and make up for those plays. And I feel like the Cowboys still have that ability at times, but they're too afraid of like of turning the ball over, right? Of like giving. I mean, I I, I listen. I, I think it's not that I feel like they've erred too far the other way, but it feels like at times when things are tight, they're too afraid to kind of get back into that high risk mode. It's weird. It's almost like when the things are at the riskiest and it's like all on the line Dak's great. The the Cowboys offense is aggressive. They go after it. When there's a neutral situation, the Cowboys are great. They go after it. They, they Mm -hmm. attack when things are a little bit tight. Like when, when, when it's like that area between those two situations where maybe the Cowboys are a little bit behind or, the score is tied and, and, and the Cowboys need an answer. That's when it feels like the Cowboys offense can't figure out which side of the of aggressiveness they want to fall. It's on, like right? when that
1: win probability is between like 40 and 60% where the game is still yeah. kind of in the balance. Um, one of the kind of the working things that I've been thinking about is I, it feels like the Cowboys struggled to play a conservative style of football. And what I mean yeah. by that is like when you just need to get four yards, every single play, it doesn't seem like they can do that. It seems like they, efficient when they have efficient only offense, right? Efficient yeah, it, only
0: where you don't need to get a big play, but you just need to keep moving the chains yes. a little
1: bit. It, it seems like we've seen other teams that have been worse offenses play that style of football and be really yeah. successful. Like I think the best version of that would have been like the early Russell Wilson years in Seattle, mm-hmm. where they could, every once in a while they would take shots, but they were really good at just keeping the chains moving and burning clock. This team's not very good at it. They're they're just much better. They are much better if you're like, hey, you have to go out and score 37 points to win this game. Like the Seattle game. That was a perfect example. That game script was we got to score points every single drive. And the Cowboys called plays and they executed plays like they had to score 37 points. But when they get into these games and it's, hey, we just have to put one touchdown drive together. And you need to milk as much clock as you can to give your defense a break. That's when things get a little bit hairy.
0: Yeah. It's like they,
1: things get tight or,
0: or you know, and, and actually what ended up happening is the Cowboys really struggle now to get over negative plays in ways oh, that yeah. they didn't before, you yeah. know, like, I, I mean, look, the Cowboys had negative plays previously and it was a problem. I think that the Cowboys have reduced the amount of negative plays from last season, but the problem is, is that it doesn't feel that way because they aren't getting over the negative play drive Dak is the just way being
1: a magician. Like that's the only way they're overcoming some of these. If it's, he's using his legs to get outside the pocket and make plays like in structure, they're having a hard time overcoming them. And, and the real problem is, is that, you know,
0: sometimes the Cowboys are doing those penalties and kind of uh, deserve the penalty. And sometimes they're not like sometimes the Cowboys are executing fine. They're still getting penalties called on them. Yeah. So the Cowboys have got to find a way to overcome that because, well, like to me, that's like it's gonna happen. Like you're gonna get penalties. There's gonna be uh, a negative play. There's gonna be a situation where you throw the ball to Gallup in a on a on a smoke screen and he takes a three yard loss because the the blockers didn't get into him. You know, there's gonna be plays where you're behind the chains and the Cowboys have got to just be a little bit better than they have at least recently at overcoming that and 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 really just attempting to overcome it. That's the yeah. really problem is that it feels like at times they're just giving up or they're just like, you know, they're too scared to like try too hard and make a mistake. Really.
1: I I will also say, I do wonder if the the success from the defense early in the season has messed with them a little bit because Mm. earlier in the year, they could just lean on their defense to continue to get stops and they get the ball right back. And if things weren't going perfectly on offense, they'd be okay. But the defense just hasn't been that great over the last month, Landon, since week 13, 27th in EPA per play, 30th in success rate, 29th in dropback EPA, 30th in dropback back uh, success rate, 20th in EPA uh, on runs, 30th in rush success rate. Like this defense just isn't playing anywhere near what we saw in the first half of the year. So that's where I think the offense, rather than leaning into this conservative brand of football, I'd rather just see them be ultra, ultra aggressive, trying to go out and win games with their offense.
0: Well, I mean, let's 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 take a step back from that. I mean, the problem is, is that the reason the defense is as ranked as low is that's it's looking at the defense has played. And ultimately, yes. that's the problem, right? Yes. Is that defenses aren't the ones who are ultimately dictating a lot of that. I mean, there are definitely moments when there's styles make fight situations where the defense is the dictating force on offenses. But for the vast majority of NFL games – NFL offenses dictate how good a defenses are yes. playing. Right. So the Cowboys need to like, yeah, get out of this mindset that, uh, you know, it, can the defense make a play when necessary? Can the defense? Absolutely. Defense yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look at the Seattle is game. Very good at that. Yeah. Uh, but I think in order for that to work as, you know, kind of a team, team win concept, the Cowboys have got to continue to put pressure on the other team's offense to score points. So yeah, like this, and that's why that of, fumble
1: was such a bummer. I, I, yeah. I wish I could just see what the game would have looked like if the Cowboys scored that opening drive touchdown because I loved Mike McCarthy's aggressiveness early in that game from taking the ball after winning the coin toss, like getting the ball going down the field. Yes, he converted multiple fourth downs on that yes. drive. Um I I just wonder how different that game would have been and how different Mike McCarthy's play calling might have been if they scored that opening drive touchdown.
0: Yeah, I and I think it's I think it's a valid point. I mean simply because I, I think the situational play calling can be problematic at times, but I think overall what we saw in the Miami game, as far as like the way they attacked it, the way that they uh, approached the game, I think those were all positive steps Yes, uh, in the right direction. It's just things got off track. Now you, we've got to stop things from going off track. And I don't mean stop bad things from happening. I mean, stop reacting poorly when bad yes. things happen right in, in, in your play calling. But I think, As far as like a game plan to attack good teams on the road, I think the Cowboys at least, you know, prove to themselves that, hey, there is value in getting the ball first, being aggressive early, trying to put points on the board and play our style of game. Because if we just secede to like the other team scoring or or, uh, allowing them to kind of control the pace of the game, that's when the Cowboys kind of can
1: get out of their skis. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Let's talk about a couple defensive players who maybe not shown up quite enough over the last few weeks. We will get to them next. This episode is brought to you by prize picks. Prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, all you have to do is pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing DFS because there's so many different players and stat projections to choose from. Plus, Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in place, even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepix.com slash NFL and use promo code nfl for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use promo code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Welcome back to the Lot Don Cowboys Podcast. Everydayers on tomorrow's show, we've got a crossover show with uh, Lot Don Lions. It's going to be a lot of fun getting ready for that Saturday night football game. So mm. make sure you tune in for that, Landon. You and I back on Friday to, to preview that one. All right, let's uh, let's get to our last question here, and this one's from our good friend Goran. He's an everydayer. He wants to know: Has Doris Armstrong or Dante Fowler did, done enough to warrant a new deal at the end of the season? Or is it finally time for Sam Williams to step up and start getting third defensive end level reps? We can talk about Dante Fowler.
0: I think, you know, uh, he has been relegated basically to exclusively a pass rusher at this point. I think he's made some plays in the run at different points. But, you know, he's been kind of a very boomer bust player this season, right? Like, just like offside, sacks, big plays, penalties. Yeah, It's been a lot of both for him. You've seen his name called a lot. He's seen his number good and alive. bad ways and good and bad ways right Armstrong is almost the opposite where he's actually had a very his his best season of the year of his of his career uh but very quietly you know just kind of unnoticed and make making a couple of big plays here and there as needed I tend to think that the Cowboys should try to find a way to resign Armstrong um and bring it back just because he's such a glue guy and I think that there's a there's a there's a a, a, a real serious uh, chance that if the Cowboys kind of continually just shed these guys right and and try to hope on down roster uh, drafting guys that they're going to lose a little bit of their edge right and I think it's been valuable having guys like both Fowler and Armstrong. I could certainly see a, a conversation where you let Fowler go. You hope that Williams can take a, a bigger step to kind of fill that role and his role uh, up a little bit. But for me, Armstrong is that guy who you can move around and make it fit anywhere, and he plays well. Like, I mean, does do people even realize? Like, he has seven sacks this year. Like, that's weird. Like, because didn't even notice it. That's the most unless he's had 400, in his career on less than four hundred snaps. On less than four hundred snaps. Like, and he plays everywhere. Like, he plays defensive end. They play him inside at tackle. Like, he they basically move him where the they basically move. Parsons and, and Lawrence and then wherever they need Armstrong to fill in so that you can move Parsons and Lawrence, they put Armstrong there and he gives you good snaps. So I think that Armstrong's a guy that the Cowboys should consider bringing back. I don't know what his number is. And well, maybe so he, his number- he,
1: he signed the last year. Uh, the last deal was two years, I think 13 and a half million. So, you know, like six and a half, seven million a year. I got to believe after the last two years, it's probably going to be creeping up to like nine or 10 million a year. And that's where it gets tricky. Is Doris Armstrong a $10 million a year player?
0: I could get $10 million a year out of Armstrong. Easy. I could. I mean,
1: if you wanted
0: to get it out of him, you could put him on special teams. You could have him as your third defensive end. I guarantee you probably get $10 million worth of uh,
1: of. Well, uh, let me me put it up. Compared to a, a couple different players. I got to believe that Stefan Gilmore would like to be back and he's probably wants to get about 10 million dollars a year. Would you rather play Gilmore 10 or Armstrong 10?
0: I think that's tough, man. You've got I understand the, the the name difference here, but like Gilmore is like how many more years has Gilmore got left? You've got Deron Bland and Diggs coming back. Um I just I just think that yeah, I mean I understand what your point is.
1: How about and Tyler I, Biotish?
0: I'm okay with replacing Tyler Biotish, okay. honestly.
1: I'm, I'm I'm with you. The Gilmore one's really hard, especially with Diggs coming off an ACL cuz it's like man, Gilmore's been mm-hmm. such a That's nice fair. veteran. And he's been beast. good. Like yeah,
0: it's it's not like you don't want to re-sign him. I I think I I just think that this that this even by this question to me, like that this the
1: the fandom under rates how good i, I don't disagree but i I also won't be surprised if the other teams are like hey he's too good to yeah. be the third edge rusher that's, let's give him 11 million to be our edge too you know honestly
0: that's what i think is going to end up happening is that he's going to get a big contract that the general population of nfl fandom is going to be like what and we're all going to be like yeah guys go turn on the tape that's what he well, does like
1: unlimited snaps like i could see a team like detroit who has an endless amount of cap space like hey we need somebody else to play opposite of aiden hutchinson we don't want to spend 21 million on a guy let's go out and get somebody who's pretty reliable there's dorance armstrong 26 years old plug and play starter like I, I could see that happening pretty easily 26 years old and he's played like you know a couple thousand snaps
0: like i mean the guy's like 26 years old he's been in the league six years it's crazy it's- i i
1: Yeah, this is his. He'll be going into year seven and he's 26 years old. Year seven, he's 27. Yeah, that's that's totally nice. And and, and the other thing that we should mention, because I do think this is going to factor into part of his equation when it comes to free agency, is he plays on every single special teams unit. And the last time I checked, he was still a top five graded special teams player. According to PFF, he was number one last year. That's instantly going to bring another. $1 $1 million, $2 million to his salary, which makes this even harder. If he ends up becoming a $12 million player, what do the Cowboys do? I, I don't know. That I mean, again, which is why I was like, yeah, I'll get $10 million out of him right now. Yeah. Sign
0: that deal. So, like, I don't have any problem with doing it. It's about whether or not the Cowboys can afford it.
1: Thing. And it depends. It really probably depends on how you feel about the other players down the line. Like we didn't yep. mention Sam Williams, but he's somebody that could potentially get more snaps. Maybe Chauncey Golston plays more snaps as a base uh, defensive end. Uh, maybe Fahoku, who you drafted. Maybe you have, maybe the Cowboys like Tyrus Wheat, maybe more than we do. Yeah. But. That's the part the league the sure that does,
0: it seems like it's it sure seems like the league has, has interest in him at, at this point, so that's maybe he's got more to him than we, we
1: realize. The fact that Tyrus Wheat has been active like almost every game yeah. over the last two yeah. months makes me think that the Cowboys might be preparing him to be the next Dorrance Armstrong playing maybe. special teams, playing multiple positions, being a bigger defensive end. We'll see,
0: like, yeah, I mean, it certainly makes some sense, and it certainly is there's got to be a reason. He's been the uh, on roster game day and active, or or uh, they've made him active a couple days. But there's got to be a reason that he's been on the roster this whole time, and I have to think it's because teams are sniffing around and
1: kicking over for Hoku, to too. Tired, so, yeah. uh, over Fouhoku. I mean, Foku has a ankle injury, and but it was Tyrese Wheat that was playing over him anyway. So that's right. Yeah. Something to keep in mind. All right, that is it for today's show. We want to thank you for making Laton Cowboys your first listen every single day. Uh, Go check out the podcast on YouTube. We are free and available on all platforms. Go follow Landon on Twitter at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We will see you right back here for crossover Thursday on Friday. Landon and I breaking down Cowboys Lions. Can't wait. Should be a bunch of fun.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this off season, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.